on this podcast, you know, even if we don't agree with something that a person is saying, we want to give them a fair opportunity to have their say. I think that's very important. Welcome in, kiddos. <laughs> we are back. That's right. It's been a month, but uh, your favorite weekly Alabama political podcast, Alabama Politics This Week, is back with Josh Moon and David Person. That's right. He came back. You didn't I'm think he was here. coming. I didn't think he was coming. I thought he was just big time the hell out of us and go off with other people <laughs> and, you know, uh, somebody hey. from the Cosby show or some shit hey. like that. And we'd never see him again. Hey, wait a minute. Yes. Now, you know, I told you that one of my homeboys who lives out in California uh, is a faithful listener. He's a big fan of yours. Uh-huh. And he said to me, he sent me a text one day and he said, Josh is moonlighting. And I was what? like, moonlighting? What are you talking about? What? Is he on MSNBC or CNN or something like that? Because I thought maybe, you know, because of the redistricting stuff, mm-hmm, you were mm-hmm. doing one of your famous TV hits. Right. But instead, he said, and I quote, he is co-hosting a politics podcast about Alabama. So were you a guest host on somebody else's podcast? Not as far as I'm aware. I don't think so. Uh, was this uh, your was this your AI poltergeist or something? I don't I, know. I, I, you think maybe he got that podcast confused with our podcast? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, I doubt uh, it very seriously. He I'm pretty said, sure I didn't host anything, man. I didn't. Uh, as far as I know, I I don't think I've been. I don't think I've been a guest with anybody. Uh, okay, as far so as I that know. was my next question. Have you been a guest yeah. somewhere else? I, I, I mean, maybe I, I listen. My brain is mush at this point. So uh, maybe if somebody would would say, "Oh yeah, you remember you were on with so and so," and I'd be, "Oh yeah, that's right. That happened more than forty eight hours ago, so I can't remember it." Uh, but um, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think I've been on with anybody else recently. Um, I, I don't know if I can find the text because that was several weeks ago, but he said that you were on a mm-hmm. podcast about Alabama politics mm-hmm. or some, or politics, or maybe it was just politics. Um, and you were talking about Alabama politics on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I wish he would find out who it is because maybe I could get paid something for that. <laughs> um, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm owed a check or residual or something, you know, I don't know. Uh, but I, I don't think so. I don't, I, you know, I don't, don't think I've been moonlighting anywhere, but, uh, you know, I know you have been all over the place and, uh, doing lots of stuff. I've seen uh, keep up with, uh, David on his Facebook page and he's always, uh, around some cool people and doing, I got some cool projects going on. It's, it's a very, you know, you got a very diverse, you have a very diverse uh, media empire you're building over there. I mean, it's like a, it's honestly, it's like everything. You got health and wellness and you're, you're finding, you're finding lost black women. And I mean, it's like, it's honestly, I expected at any point for you to be down in in Hoover looking for that baby on the side of the, uh, of the freeway uh, of the interstate. Uh, and, uh, you know, with like a team of investigators from audible and, uh, it's just, uh, but, uh, how's, how has the last month been? It's been it's been fun. Um, I've actually um, we are launching and I say we um, it's um, it's the brainchild of uh, Cynthia Joyner, who's a real estate 
mogul here in North Alabama and uh, Jeffrey uh, Morlock, who's a mortgage lender, uh, they have joined forces and we're going to launch a podcast that's about Huntsville and oh. the Huntsville metro area. And it's not going to be political or anything like that. It's just going to be strictly you know, here's here's what it's like to live in Huntsville. Here are the amenities. Here are the things you can do. The the events, the the restaurants, the church scene, the concert scene. Mm-hmm. Just covering, just just taking a look at it very broadly, mm-hmm. and uh, showcasing the city and and its and its lifestyle uh, possibilities is really the concept. And, um, and we've done some, so far, we've done some amazing interviews, man. Uh, we hung out with, um, my boy, Kelvin Wooten in his home studio and Kelvin is a Grammy winner and, uh, Cody Gopher, who is, um, uh, he's the guy who's single handedly responsible for Huntsville developing an international reputation in the hip hop community. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do Microwave Dave, our own yeah. Alabama blues legend here shortly. I think in another mm-hmm. week or so. So, you know, we've got. Uh, and and can, some can, other I say, folks. can I make one suggestion uh, for yeah. somebody? Uh, and I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it? Um, are Are you primarily concentrating on on uh, black folks in Huntsville? Oh or? no, we no okay. man, not at all. Mm-mm. Do you know Do you know Conrad Thompson? You I do not know that name. Conrad is a is a mortgage guy. Uh, around and lives in Huntsville. He is married to the daughter of Ric Flair. Um, and wow. he hosts, he hosts about 10 of the most popular podcasts in, in, uh, in all of America. Um, and uh, they are all wrestling based podcasts. So it's all uh, old podcasts or it's all podcasts about, um, well, for example, have you ever watched much wrestling? I I watched in the 90s when I was a kid. Yeah, when I was a I mean, yeah. well, for me, it was probably more in the 70s and 80s, but yeah. 80s, yeah. Well, so he, 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 Jim Ross, uh, he hosts a podcast with Jim Ross. He hosts a podcast with Eric Bischoff. He hosts a podcast with uh, a number of different wrestlers for, from that generation, uh, guys that, uh, you know, that you would, rec- you would recognize their names. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's just all about, you know, kind of a history. They, they watch old, uh, old shows. They go through what was happening here and there. They are fascinating shows. It's, uh, when I found them, I, I listened to them for, I don't know, hours on end. And it was just like a trip down memory lane for me wow. as a kid with the old Stone Cold Steve Austin stuff and the Sting yeah. and the NWO and the, uh, all of these, all these old guys that I watched when I was growing up. And, um, and it's, but he is uh, extremely popular. He is uh, just, uh, I, I saw a story about him the other day where he was going to be inducted into the wrestling hall of fame. Okay. Uh, Conrad is. Uh, so, and he's a relatively young guy, but, uh, and uh, from what I've heard from people, just a super, super nice uh, fellow. I don't know him personally. I just, I just know his work and I'm appreciative of that. And so I think it's a pretty neat thing to highlight, but you know, um, yeah, it's, uh, but listen, it's, it's, uh, it's good to be back, right? It is great to be back. And, and he sounds like a fascinating guy. So I need to, you know, if you can get me a lead on how I can get to him, I mean, okay. yeah, we'll, we'll put him on the list. Yeah. All right. All right. That, um, yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, it's, this is, see, David does all this stuff and I went to the beach. So, um, and you know, I, I got a nice tan. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, that's, you know, I, I'm not apologizing and, yeah, nor no. am I ashamed. I had it, a lot it, of good shrimp. Uh-huh. Um, sat on the beach. I read, read a bunch of books, read a bunch of books. 
Um, so yeah, it's uh, you know, it was very relaxing. I'm, very I'm, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very so, cool. Uh, but that, that was our typical summer break. We do that every year and uh-huh. people, I get, I get, I, it, inevitably I get emails from at least 10 people. Y'all aren't coming back. Are you? Y'all aren't, y'all aren't coming back. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're, we'll be back. We're coming back. It's, you know, and there, there will likely be, uh, I'll say this, there will likely be in the very near future, some changes, uh, to the show that you'll be able to hear the changes. Uh, it'll uh-huh. sound uh, a little different. Maybe, you know, there'll be some, uh, some other names, uh, associated with the podcast that okay. uh, have not been there before. I hope, hope, hope everything works out as it, uh, seems to be headed. They are all very positive, uh, changes, uh, changes mm-hmm. that we've worked for, for a while. And so I'm, I'm very hopeful for, for that. And, um, the, so I guess maybe I did do a little something in the break, but but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it pays off. Maybe, you know, maybe David and I get nicer cars. We'll see. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, I'm looking forward to the changes. <laughs> right. right, right. So, uh, so speaking of changes, there has yeah. been a change in residency of your space command, or actually there has been no change in residency. Exactly. Because yeah. it is not moving from Colorado to Huntsville. Um, let, let me just do it this way. What did you think when you heard of that decision? Well, I wasn't really shocked because, uh, you know, we knew that the Biden administration was uh, was was resistant to moving it to Huntsville. So I wasn't shocked, generally speaking. Uh, Now, I think uh, I think that it confirms what some of us have been saying, which is that um, Tommy Tuberville's uh, attempt to. Uh, you know, use his senatorial uh, prerogatives to, um, um, you know, to basically prevent or severely restrict, uh, you know, health care for women and abortions and so forth in the military was very short sighted and ultimately backfired because, yeah. um, you know, he, um, you know, he certainly, I think, would have to be considered part of the problem here. And now we've got another interesting um, situation brewing here where, uh, you know, our new congressman for this area, Dale Strong, is openly calling uh, the Space Force general a liar. Mm-hmm. And and I'm wondering, you know, you know, I, I guess I think about it this way, Josh. You know, the old folks used to say you get more. You, you get more flies with uh, with honey than you do with vinegar, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if, if you're trying to court someone, you don't insult them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 you use endearing language, you know. Now, behind the scenes, you may have to do a little arm twisting. You might have to play a little hardball, but at least publicly, right. you don't shame them. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't make, you know, strong, harsh accusations. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering how this is how how they think this is any better, you know, strategically. And when I say they, I mean, Republicans, how they think right. this is any better than what Tupperbill has been doing. Well, I'll say, um, you know, it's been my experience, oh, especially over the last several years, um, that there's this childish mindset among a lot of conservatives out there that says if if they insult you. Uh, I'll give you an example. There is a there are a couple of radio hosts out there uh, in this state uh, who who have this tactic of 
go in on social media or wherever and saying just incredibly hateful things about you or me personally. I'll, I'll, I'll just draw it to myself. They, they would say incredibly hateful things about me and the things that I you know, have written or things that I've said or whatever. And it would just be the most personal, insulting things. I mean, things about, you know, my, I, like I, I don't make any money or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like just this insulting thing. Mm-hmm. And then if if you respond to that, their next argument or their next statement is, well, why don't we just come on the show and discuss it then? And I, and my response is always, fuck you. I know. <laughs> I, I would never in a million years give you the benefit of me going on your little stupid radio show. Not a chance in hell. And who was a childish tactic working on? Right. Do you have a wife that this works with or right. something? I don't understand. But I mean, it's just so ridiculous to me. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just, they've been doing this game with these people where they, they felt like it seemed as if the insults over and over and over again, the insults and the, you know, and the attacks on uh, on Biden and on, on the military folks and, and anybody who dared to question whether or not Huntsville was the appropriate place for this, which I, I've read the reports. I think Huntsville is the appropriate place for Space Command. I mean, I, mm-hmm. it just, you, you look at everything at the Raw data that's there and the impartial reports that were created, Huntsville's clearly the best choice for this thing. And Colorado is not even in the top five. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's just, but it was already there. And so, you know, I understand when they say this, there is going to be some readiness issues with hitting pause on this program and moving it across the country. Okay. And so that, that is, that basically gives you a window at that point to, to jump out of. And and that's exactly what Biden was looking for. He was looking for a window to jump out of and for someone to tell him in the military that he should jump out of it. And they found the space command general uh, who said, listen, you know, I think it's going to hurt readiness. And that's all he needed, because at that point, as a Democratic president, you're looking at moving. You're forcing military personnel to move into a state with draconian abortion laws uh, that where uh, you have a senator who is perfectly willing to hurt uh, military members, and that's exactly what Tommy Tuberville is doing. Make no mistake about it. No matter what he says, yep. what his ideals are, or anything else, he's hurting service members who have put in their time protecting you and me uh, and have earned promotions, and he's chosen to hurt them in response to a political position that he holds and the Department of Defense has held uh, in terms of their reimbursement of travel for women service members right. who go across state lines uh, to receive uh, you know, reproductive care services. So that's what he has done. Not to mention, you also have an attorney general in this state who has expressed his willingness to prosecute people who are, yep. are, are aiding these folks of going across state lines to receive abortion care. And so you, you pack all that together, not to mention the vitriol and just utter rudeness and and hatefulness that has flowed in one direction from our elected members of Congress and one senator to the White House about President Biden, about his son, about a, a number of issues and to turn him into like some supervillain yep. uh, where Biden has never really reciprocated any of that. Yeah, he's, he's had this little back and forth with Tuberville because Tuberville, you know, uh, was praising the the infrastructure money that he voted against. And, and you know, Biden has rightfully pointed out the hold on things. But right. th- it's never been with the same hatefulness 
and the same nastiness that has flowed towards Biden and them. What did you expect he was going to do? And that, and that again, goes to my, my very point. You know, it's, it's like you, you think you can insult somebody into submission. That's not generally how that works. I mean, no, no. You know, people generally are going to say, like you said, you know, forget you. I'm not doing what you want me to do because, I, you know, especially after you've insulted me, I'm not going to do that. No. Now, can I, can I add this one point, though, I think? Sure. Also that. That, that comes to my mind. And that is, I think some people are under the misimpression that the military is a monolith when it comes to political and cultural mindsets. Mm-hmm. So they probably assume that um, all the Space Force people will be happy to move to this military town, military community that Huntsville is. Well, that's not necessarily true. Or to move to a red state like Alabama. Well, that's not necessarily true. And, and even though we know Huntsville is a great place to live for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. uh, because of what you just talked about, uh, it could be that that uh, Space Force General knows and this is speculation on my part, but it could be that that Space Force general knows or has heard from uh, from service personnel that they don't want to make that move from yeah. Colorado to Alabama. You know, you know, people here in Alabama may have a dim view of states like Colorado, but I'm going to tell you, a lot of people love living in Colorado from mm-hmm. what I've heard. Yeah. They like the quality of life there. They like, you know, being in that um, that mountainous environment where they can do yes. a lot of things outdoors and where they've mm-hmm. got a kind of wintertime where they can go skiing. And yet it's I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it, it always ranks as one of the happiest states in the, yeah. in the country. You know, yeah. where people are very happy with both their, you know, the, the quality of life and their government uh, there. And, it's, and, and listen, it's not a deep blue state either. You know, it's, no, it's, it's, not, a, it's right borderline. Right. It's borderline. And weed is legal up there, too. As it is. That helps a lot. So, that, that helps a lot with happiness. I got yeah, to tell you. So I'm just saying, uh, I mean, yeah, for a you know lot of saying? people, yeah. they may be like, here. I want to stay here. <laughs> I don't want to go down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The hell with that. Give this up. Uh, it uh, must be crazy. Uh, actually, wait a minute. I got to deal with Tommy Tuckerville and I don't get any weed? No, right. Uh-uh. That's just yeah. too much. Yeah. That's a bridge yeah, exactly. too far. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I don't get a promotion and I don't get the weed? No, thanks. I'm out. Uh, well, you know, it's a. Uh, it, you're right, though. I mean, uh, and it just, it's just so, it's just so Alabama. You know mm-hmm. what what we've done here, and and we didn't give at no point in there did we give Joe Biden an upside for nope. for moving it to here. Okay, mm-hmm. there there was only downside for him. Uh, it was only criticism from from Democrats. It was only, uh, you know, there was never a, there was never an, an upside for him to make this move. There was never anything that was going to be reciprocated. You know, I, I, I would honestly would have respected Tuberville more if he had gone into the White House and negotiated a lift on his hold of promotions for the assurances that Space Command would be here. You that know, would have been smart. Yeah, I mean, smart. people would have said, "Hey, you know what? That guy, he's he's really doing something." But mm-hmm. we uh, see. I'm an Auburn fan. I knew that was never going to happen because Tuberville's probably duck hunting in Arkansas right now when he should be recruiting. That's that's the Tommy Tuberville I know. Okay, 
<laughs> That's the guy. He's sitting in his office negotiating a buyout, getting getting his agent to call around to see if he can get a better gig somewhere so somebody will have to pay him. That's who Tommy Tuberville is, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's always, always, always about Tommy Tuberville first, second, and last. Wow. Always. It has wow. always been that way. From the day he got to Auburn or for when he left Ole Miss, not in the pine box, to the day he left the, the recruits at dinner for mm. at a recruiting dinner to take another job. He just <laughs> left, you that know. Story, yeah. That's wow. who he is. He literally held Auburn uh, hostage for $5 million after, because Nick Saban was coming along and he knew he couldn't compete. And he's told him his heart wasn't in it anymore. But unless he got his buyout, he was going to honor his contract. And it just, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was reported by one of the best uh, reporters in, in Auburn athletics history and Philip Marshall. And and so, yeah. I mean, it just, yeah. that's, this is who he is. And he's, he screwed it up. Yeah. And here's, here's the other thing. This is the consequences of elections. All right. You had a guy in Doug Jones who would have delivered you space command. You can almost guarantee that it would have been here had Doug Jones I, been I your senator. I think you're right. I if Doug Jones right. and Katie Britt were your senators mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. Space Command would be in Alabama. I think you you're right. Mark it down. Mm-hmm. It would be in Alabama. I think so. you're right. I think <sighs> you are absolutely right. All right. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears here for just a second, and we're gonna get in here. Uh, Kalanji Gilchrist. Uh, who is the uh, founder and executive director of 21 Dreams Arts and Culture. Uh, and uh, you are are kind of leading college. First of all, welcome in. Um, and yes. and thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. Uh, y'all are, you are part, are, are you organizing the arts uh, to activism block party? Or are you just running the whole thing? What, what's, what's your I, role here? I, I am the, I would say, co-producer. <laughs> uh, the the vision vision for the the um, the block party um, kind of started before me, uh-huh. and uh, and since I've had uh, some history working in the space and also uh, organizing events and things of that nature, then I, I was given the opportunity by uh, Miss Tiffany to uh, to uh, produce this particular uh, event block party. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And now, uh, arts activism is, uh, I know that it's part of the SPLC's, uh, you know, activism portion. I, I guess kind of explain what it is uh, and, and what's going to be happening. Uh, it's this weekend, correct? Yep. This weekend, this Saturday. Uh, so the, the, the title Arts is Activism actually was um, a play off of their Learning for Justice. Uh, magazine that the SBLC has. I think it's a quarterly magazine. Uh, and this particular uh, quarter features uh, art as a tool for social justice. That's the, that is the, um, the key article. Um, I'm featured in that. Uh, several of the artists that I work with and community with are featured in that. And it, and it, and it, it basically explores the power of arts and how it brings uh, about movements, uh, act- activism, uh, social change, awareness, organizing, all of those things, healing, all of those things, uh, art has that power. So uh, we took that title to, to again, engage the public by creating the block party. And basically what that block party would look, is, would look like, uh, we have about 15 visual artists, community uh 
artists uh, from the River Region. Um, they'll all have works that uh, speak to, to various social uh, issues, as well as their other pieces as well. But, you know, I want to be intentional about making sure that we are uh, displaying the work uh, that, that speaks to those issues. Uh, we also will have uh, musicians, uh, poets, the Freedom Rider poets, which is some young uh, artists uh, under the tutelage of uh, Jonathan uh, Patterson, JP the Poet, um, food trucks, uh, collaborative canvas. Yeah, I, I can go on and drop names, but that that's what it looked like. And and we will have uh, organizations that are um, working in the, in in that space, like Alabama Forward. Um, of course, SBLC and uh, the mother, mother uh, Michelle Browder and the mother of gynecology. Um, so, yeah, we'll have the organizations there as well. Um, artists, the good vibes, all of those things. Hmm. Kalanji, um, this sounds really exciting. And one thing that I immediately came to my mind when I heard the, um, the title, Arts as Activism, you know, some of the greatest activists, uh, especially in the African-American community, have been artists. People like Paul Robeson, Harry Belafonte. Uh, I'll even put my friend Erica Alexander uh, into the mix there. Um, you know, there's a rich tradition of that intersection of arts and activism. Do you see that expressing itself in any way, shape or form uh, during this uh, event? Definitely, definitely. Um, and, and kind of playing off of that, uh, I think Nina Simone said, it's yeah. the artist's duty to reflect the times. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the, the exhibitions that we uh, focus on um, are those that reflect the time. And, I, and I'll just kind of use this as an example. We'll have some of those pieces there. Um, <clears throat> we have an initiative called We Create Change Alabama. And that is a collaboration of 21 Dreams, uh, Michelle Browder, I Am More Than, uh, and Kevin King with the, uh, King's Canvas. Uh, we have this, this initiative was born out of, we're always doing this work together, but this initiative was sparked, uh, I think last year, uh, upon the, the banning of critical race theory, uh, mass incarceration, uh, voting suppression. So we use those three things as our, our key points of what that exhibition looked like. So we had artists that created pieces that reflect uh, those things. And then we had the organizations that are doing the work there at our exhibitions, engaging. So it's just making sure that artists are, are key, you know, it's, it's a, we're all critical thinkers, especially artists. And so it's something about how art, music, poetry, visual arts, engage the critical mind and then so you 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 have the you know you have the people there that also talk more about we're not subject matter experts but we do see and we do interpret those things and we feel it and we're in in community and uh so to have a subject matter specialist there to 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 help people to get be engaged with with those social issues is uh critical so you'll see uh, all of that this saturday a snippets of it. I mean, we're going to have, we're going to have a good time, no doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, but you'll see those, those seeds and those things and meet the artists that are, are, 
are are creating art not just for art's sake, but creating art that moves people and, and inspire them and gets them to thinking about what's going on around them. You know, um, you when you mentioned some, you know, you mentioned CRT stuff and some of the other things that have gone on over the course of the last couple of years, and you know, there, there's a there's a pretty big movement uh, now to to ban certain things, uh, you mm-hmm. know, books and, you know, to, to kind of limit the, uh, the information that that's out there, uh, the truthful information that's out there about our history and things that have occurred. Um, so, and, and that's obviously they're, they're focused on a lot on classrooms and, and libraries and things like that. So it would seem to mm-hmm. me that events like this are particularly important uh, because it provides another avenue uh, for young people, particularly, uh, to get out yeah. and and to view a lot of these works that you know. Let's be honest in in a lot of case, in a lot of places they're not going to have this opportunity to see these things because it, they're intentionally being kept from them. That is correct. That yeah, yeah. absolutely. That is correct. So yeah. So yeah. Um, and my artistry is in filmmaking. So storytelling, filmmaking, curating. Um, but primarily in filmmaking. So I'm always thinking about, you know, as those, you know, as this movement to to ban and, and, and erasure, you know, um, oral histories and being able to capture the stories and the content from um, those that are <laughs> live, live during the civil rights movement that experience those things, you know, that we tend to think that we're in this post-racial uh uh, America, but we're not. We're two generations, a generation separate from, you know, these movements. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, it, it is critical to make sure that we're capturing this, this information. We're, um, using the, using art as a, as an entry point to the deeper conversation, to storytell, um, all of those things. Yeah. You know, when you said that, it, it reminded me, we were working, uh, when I was at the advertiser, and we were working on the, uh, the 50th anniversary of the uh, Selma to Montgomery March. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and and so we would go back and we would interview, of course, all the folks who were involved. And, and you know, and there were so many people who played, you know, everybody knows the big names, I guess. But, you know, there were so many school teachers and people who organized this or who who handed out flyers or printed flyers at, you know, and th- at places and did, you know, drove the cars for the bus boycott and, uh, you know, preachers right. that, that helped and did all these things. And it was, you know, so when we were going back and talking to these people, it was so... I, I honestly, it was kind of disconcerting to me to hear mm. the the uh, the similarities in the rhetoric that was being used back then, and right. some of the same stuff is being used right now. That's and man, great. when you draw that, when you can draw that straight line, no matter how you get there, whether it be through art or or whatever, it's sure. it's really compelling for people, isn't it? Right, absolutely. And and you have to think about it. It's it's. The, the transfer uh, is, is the, the intergenerational transfer. So those same, your grandpa, grandpapas and granddads and grandmothers passing those things on to their kids, that thinking, that, that language, that perspective, and as well as uh, those tools and, and whatever they may use, whether it's law and just all of those things. Um, right. It's being transferred over, and it's a continuation. So it doesn't change. Yeah. You know, you may see some. You may see some marginal victories along the way, right. but that, that that movement is still working. Like it's not. It's not going anywhere. 
un- unfortunately. So it, it it requires us to always be aware. I would, look, I would I would typically say stay woke, but you know that that terminology has been great. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's done a, a fantastic job of co-opting that. Yeah, it's a <laughs> yeah, it's been bastardized at this point. Right. Jesus. Tell uh, tell everybody where where they need to go, what time they need to be there, where 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 they can find all of the stuff, and 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 what they need to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's Saturday, this Saturday, uh, August fifth, uh, in, in front of the Civil Rights Memorial Center, which is SBLC Civil Rights Memorial Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes, you'll see it rec- 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 uh, recognized as CRMC. That is uh, four hundred Washington Avenue. 400 Washington Avenue, Montgomery, Alabama, right in front of the Civil Rights Memorial Center. 11 to 3 o'clock, we'll have a certain, uh, we'll have a a limited number of free meals that that the SBLC is supplying. So there'll be some food tickets. Yeah, some food tickets as well as it'd likely be warm. So one of the food trucks is a uh, ice cream vendor. So, you know, keep folks cool. We have Mm -hmm. fans. We have the artists. We have uh, out, you know, amazing artists uh, that'll be performing there, and all of those good things. Jonathan Avan, Terrence Baldwin, and Boogie, and yeah, poets coming from Birmingham. So, uh, nice. Timbuktu, yeah, all of that is is gonna be great. All right, all right. Well, listen, uh, that is Kalaja Gilchrist. Uh, well, thank you for for doing this, uh, for co-producing it, or just flat out producing it, um, and and for all the work that uh, that you've put into this, and for joining us for a little while today as well. And and man, I wish y'all success. We're gonna send everybody we can your way. Absolutely, Josh. I'm sorry. I uh, make sure I cut out there. Uh, Are you okay? Just a second, but absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and and thank you. And I didn't mention the, the website. Uh, our website is twenty one dreamsmgmorg So we'll have our social media also have some engagement on that as well. All righty, all right, y'all check it out, and uh, y'all get down to, to Montgomery and uh, in the, the downtown area on Saturday, and uh, and and enjoy yourselves. Uh, it's a it'll be a be a great event, and and hopefully you know carry on some stuff and and, and learn some history that you might not uh, otherwise be privy to. All right, that is uh, Kalanji Gilchrist. We're going to slide out of here. It's Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. If y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. Well, you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms oh. as well. I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Just don't, doesn't don't, like that. Don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. 
So it was a very friendly interview. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that the next one will go quite as smoothly. Um, well, let's not. Uh, I don't. Not. We've never been unkind. We've never been unkind. I'm just saying. I don't know that it will be quite as uh, as friendly and upbeat as the last one. Uh, we're going to welcome our friend um, uh, Randy Kelly in. And yeah. uh, in a few minutes. And, are, you, um, are you saying that because of the column that I wrote that was Yeah, published? I mean, you've ruined our friendship with Randy Kelly now because David wrote a very harsh column. At, uh, well. It just was, I mean, just really buried Randy Kelly. and uh, it was, Did it really, though? No, it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> we were very fair. You are very fair to I them. Thought I thought so. I thought overly fair uh, for the chaos that they have all wrought on yeah. this on us. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I gotta tell you, man. You know, for I I know you said that you know Joe Reed denies saying that he told. That's uh, what he told Tabitha me. That, Eisner, that I, uh, you're you know, a quiet girl. Um, nobody, of course, will believe that. Uh, and, and I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I will, I'm fine. I, you know, either way, whatever. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't change the overall tone of the I conversation I uh, that they've had. And so, uh, this is, I, I think I said earlier, we, we had, we covered a segment of this on the TV show, the V for, for this week. And, um, you know, I, I said on there that it's so discouraging to repeatedly go through this. And, and especially now when you have a national spotlight on Alabama because of the redistricting effort and you have people who mm-hmm. are genuinely excited about what could happen here. Um, and it could be a time if you had a functioning party, a functioning Democratic Party, it could be a time of tremendous fundraising and candidate building. Um, you know, you could do so, so much right now. And, and, and a lot of it, you, you wouldn't even need the, um, the, the, you know, the state folks to do. You know, a lot of national money would come flowing in right now. And a lot of mm-hmm. national help would come flowing in right now. Uh, and instead, we have a fight. We have a fight between um, the, the top folks at the party, the yeah, chairs, top three vice people. chairs, yeah, yeah. top three people. Uh, you also have a fight between the party itself and the national party. Mm-hmm. Um, and and God only knows, I, it, you know who's going to win that. I mean, you know, well, it just, yeah. you know, I mean, they say this and they're, they're going to do it, you know. Well, and, and, and I think that's one of the questions we've got to ask uh, Reverend Dr. Kelly. I mean, what what is the point of of conducting business in a way that just pisses off the DNC. Yeah. I mean, what's the upside to that? How, what, what's your, what's your end game with that? How does that, how does that improve the situation for we who are Democrats in the state of Alabama who want to see a functioning party so that we can see some policy changes so that we can see some election wins you know, how does that help us? Yeah. Yeah. How, how does. Uh, yeah, I know. And, and it's, it's very easy to, to then you know, broadly say, how does any of this help us? You know, right. and, and, right. and because it's true. I mean, nothing. Uh, I don't know of any fundraising that's been done. You know, I, I've not received a fundraising letter, uh, which I, I used to get them a lot. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, you know, and I, I don't. Well, I, wait, I, let me. Let me amend what I just said. I get fundraising requests on a weekly basis from from a certain congresswoman. 
uh-huh, uh-huh. who's a Democrat, right. <laughs> our friend Terry Sewell. Yes. But aside from Terry Sewell, I get nothing from mm-hmm. the Democratic Party in the state of Alabama. I, don't, I just don't understand what we're doing. You know what I mean? I just don't. I, I, I'm, I'm with you all the way here on this and, and, and in, in saying, you know, how does this help? And what I don't understand is what the end game is. Um, you know, it, okay, let's say, let's say that, that Reed and them are able to continue with control uh, with this exactly the way that they want it. What does that get them? I, 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 that's what I don't understand. You know, because you seem to be, you seem to be knocking down a lot of the enthusiasm that was coming from a pretty big influx of members in that youth caucus. Um, and I mean, let's, there's no denying that when you look at the party, um, the biggest change that we've had over the course of the last, you know, few years, uh, 10 years or more, is that that youth caucus and the excitement that was brought by those young folks. Uh, and, you know, uh, so um, and not to mention the membership that, that was spurred by those young folks. And that is, yeah, everybody seems to agree that's where you know, the, the future of the party is. And if I'm not mistaken, both Randy Kelly and Joe Reed said that they needed more white people involved. They did. They did. And, and I just don't understand how any of this helps you achieve the things that you say you need. Well, it reminds me a lot. And, and, and Reverend Dr. Kelly will probably, he may not agree with what I'm saying, but I think he'll relate to it. It, re- it reminds me a lot of what happens in the, in the church. Mm-hmm. In the church, you often have these these generational tugs of war, you know, mm-hmm. and the problem is the older people are dying out and the younger people are not replenishing them right? because of some of these cultural differences in churches over music or, you know, some doctrines or whatever. Or, or just the, or just the reality that a growing number of younger people don't subscribe to organized religion, and and churches are not really doing a lot to um, address that in an effective way. So mm-hmm. it it seems to me it's akin to that. It's a generational, you know, and I know there are more layers to it, and it's 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 different. It's not it's not exactly analogous, but but I think there's some similarities, though. Yeah, oh, I think you're uh, I think you're 100 right, and it's um, uh, you know it, it just I I it, it honestly a lot of the fighting seems to just be because people like to fight, you know. I think I mean, there's some who they're, do. They're, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't, it, you know, they, this person wants to be in control of these things, and there's just no other reason for it. There's no real goal beyond that. Um, I mean, you know, you look at the party prior to 2019, uh, you know, for the five or six years previous, it was, it was a stagnant party. I mean, it didn't, there was hardly anything being done. There were no employees. There was no, there was no real excitement. They were losing constantly. No, I mean, Obviously, they they lost some races after the you know Chris England and Doug Jones and and those guys kind of took over, um, after the bylaws changes. Uh, but at the same time, you you could see a pathway forward for the first time, and I, I don't I don't see that now. 
You know, I don't. What's what's your pathway forward? What 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 are you going to do uh, to move the thing forward and and to get more people in? I but yeah, I I have a slightly different take on that. In that, okay. even though I'm a big fan of Chris England, as you know, um, the effectiveness of the party to me was sorely lacking during the, his his tenure as well and i'm not and i'm not saying that he was the reason right but i just think you know i, I mean he's got to if you you know well if you're the chair you got to take some responsibility sure. so oh well, listen know. i'm not saying otherwise yeah, yeah. no I, but, I i just you know i just I meant think, with those bylaws changes that it meant you know that it seemed as though there was some there there was a pathway forward for growing the party mm, okay okay yeah yeah, not necessarily in the leadership, but just in the mm-hmm. in the bylaws themselves. Well, and I think so. and I think Chris was was a good, I think he was a great spokesperson for the party. He's great on mm-hmm. articulating policy issues and so forth. But but something just was oh something was amiss during that time yeah. as well. Yeah, I I agree, I agree. But look, let's uh, let's get uh, uh, Dr. Kelly in mm-hmm. uh, here. I think he is uh, he's ready to join us now. And All Dr. Right. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing super. What about y'all? Hey, we're oh, good, Doc. just fine. Well, we are very happy, as we always are, to have with us the chair of the Democratic Party, uh, Reverend Dr. Randy Kelly, with us. And I say Reverend Doctor because he's not just the chair of the Alabama Democratic Party, but he's also the senior pastor of the historic Lakeside United Methodist Church here in Huntsville. Uh, one of my favorite churches here in this city. Uh, Reverend Dr. Kelly, good to see you as always. Yes, mutual. Yes, sir. So uh, let's let's wait on in here. Um, you know, last Saturday um, was, um, was a, a pretty headline-making uh, uh, state uh, Democratic Executive Committee meeting. Uh, that uh, actually culminated in an executive session. You want to recap for us from your perspective just what happened uh, last Saturday? Yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, When I arrived at the site of the executive board meetings, regularly scheduled executive board meeting, I saw a strange sight. I saw a big orange pickup truck with Capitol Eisner on the back of it, loading chairs in front of the building. And I knew right away that was her perspective of a miniature Donald Trump insurrection of the Alabama Democratic Conference board meeting. And uh, from there, when we, uh, I just basically ignored it. When we got inside, there was a, a argument about taping and not taping. Uh, Tabitha had about a half a dozen folks. The press looked like it was some kind of major uh, protest or something that they had, but about a half a dozen folks. And uh, they were arguing over taping. Tabitha and her crowd was wanting to tape, but the executive board didn't want to be taped. So there was a heated exchange between some of her guests and some of the executive board members. Now, one of the board members had a uh, 
had a logo on a shirt. Talking about we dare defend our rights. Now, he made a statement, uh, some something abrasive statement to one of our board members. And of course, she said she felt threatened. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but they had made some disparaging marks against her before uh, she came in. Uh, she has it posted on her Facebook page, and you can see it for yourself. But they said, well, the reason why Black people, what they told her, and paraphrasing what she said, that Black folks have so much representation on the committee is because they were slaves, and that the Hispanic can vote because they were never slaves. So it was crazy talk like that. And when he made something abrasive, that abrasive statement to her, she said she felt unsafe. So when she said she felt unsafe, the executive board members made the motion to go into executive session. So when they went into executive session, they had to leave. Okay. Reverend Dr. Kelly, uh, you you mentioned uh, that this was put on Facebook. So who is the person that we're talking about here? And is she an executive board member? Edra Fallon. Fallon. Okay, Edra Fallon. And she's a board uh, member. Okay. That's right. So she she went public with this account um, uh, of this abrasive exchange, and that's what prompted the executive session. No, the statement that the, some statement the gentleman made okay. to her, and and it was uh, just based out of order, and uh, the motion was made by a board member to go into executive session, and we went into executive okay. session. In fact, we weren't there for that. We were there really celebrating the fact that we had just hired a new executive director and a director of communication, and a report from our canvassing committee. Uh, committee and and just just basic stuff, but even the people that we had hired, they had to leave in executive session, so we had to retrieve them back after the meeting. Okay, I have one other question before Josh jumps in. You talked about this being a, a sort of a um, uh, you talked about a gathering of people or a collection of people. Uh, who were there, and 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 you're characterizing their presence as being disruptive, and you kind of sense that even when you were coming, uh, uh, approaching the, I guess, the building for the meeting. Um, can you give us a better sense as to who these people were, and and um, and 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 what kind of tipped you off about? Um, or what made you think that their presence was going to be disruptive? Oh, well, I didn't know them. I just saw the strange sight with Tabitha, and I knew it was going to be some more drama. I've been on your program several times, and I've stated from the first time, it's just one uh, drama activity after another with Miss Eichner. Yeah, so you can expect anything from her. So I just basically ignored it. But now the the shirt was problematic because that's the old Confederate slogan that the Confederates use, we dare defend our rights and their rights to own slaves. And that 
slogan was coined by one of the United Daughters of Confederate, a sister group of the Ku Klux Klan. And they was the one that uh, promoted birth of a nation, glorifying the Klan and denigrating Black people. And they're the ones that was responsible for thousands of statues and monuments around the country. So that was an offensive slogan in itself. Gotcha. Josh? Yeah. Um, so I read the accounts of, of this and, and, and what, what went on. And, and, and Ms. Fallon um, yeah, has posted on, I read, I read when you said that about her, I went to her Facebook page and, and pulled up well, what's, what's posted there. And it said that she was the one who said uh, to the Hispanic gentleman uh, that blacks deserve more representation than other minority groups because of slavery. When Hispanics came to this country, they didn't come into slave ships. They weren't forced to labor for free for 400 years. They did not suffer Jim Crow. They have a right to, they have the right to vote. They have not had to fight for anything. And Let me stop you there. You, you're reading, reading the account of what right. was written by the reporter. But you I, I'm just reading it off of her, her Facebook account. page. Okay. 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 So, so you, are you saying yeah. that she says yeah. that she didn't say that? Yeah. No, I hadn't really talked with her. But okay. But my interpretation, that is what they said to her when she came in. I, I'm just saying she, she, t- she took that. She said that to her. Not she, that she, she took that and, and put it in quotes on her Facebook page. That's all I'm reading. I'm, so I'm not, I'm not arguing with you necessarily. I'm yeah. just saying that well, on her quoting, Facebook page. quoting somebody else. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but. Um, and she had had an encounter before mm-hmm. with them before they came in the building. And she says that in there. And okay. I think she's probably on this. Uh, on this uh, specific Zoom call. Oh, she is. Yeah, I, I think she is. I tried to send her the link. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not aware I of that, s- but um, and, and that's fine. We we could certainly ask her. We could we could certainly ask her if she was on the Zoom call. But uh, you know, listen, uh, uh, here's the thing. Now you ain't gonna go to no Republican Party meeting with no Black Panther shirt on. So you knew well, I, I might, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if everybody would. I might. I don't know, you know, okay. uh, but uh, get, get kicked out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, listen, I understand what you're saying about the protests and about the, the fighting and all, all this stuff. But the, a lot of the people who were there in protest were former executive committee members, correct? No, 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 no. Some of those folks were there. I didn't know uh, they, they were members of what were previously the Hispanic Caucus, uh, the Youth Caucus, some of those folks, right? Well, one guy there from the Hispanic Caucus, he came in the meeting. Uh-huh. And, and he's certainly, he's disgruntled. Yeah, because of the committees and what have you. So he has some sure. disgruntled folks there. Then you had one gentleman there who had been terminated from the World Administration. He's always disgruntled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I'd like to go back because previously, we've but had you didn't have people. about five or six folks, so you didn't have that many people there. I understand. I understand. I'm not. I'm not disputing anything about the number of people there, and I and I certainly didn't report that there was some large gathering of people who were there. Uh, but, but you you previously told us that nobody was was removed from the executive committee by the bylaws changes, and so clearly 
some people have been removed from the executive committee and they're unhappy with that. This is a different executive committee uh, of my executive, specific executive committee. They were okay. not the executive committee. We put this executive committee together under my administration. Okay. Okay. And the last administration had the same rights and privileges that I had. They put their people on that. Should, should the meeting by the bylaws not have been open to the public? Well, it was open to the public. The public could, could, have, could have came to the meeting, but you ain't going to get in our meeting and disrupt the meeting and make our people feel unsafe. Okay. Uh, did, and, and recording and, is and, also and, allowed. And, and, and meetings, I right? didn't make the motion. One of the executive board members made the motion. Well, you then participated in, in the executive meeting, right? Well, now. You, you participated in the executive session. I certainly yeah. participated in the executive okay. committee meeting, and that's my res responsibility. Okay. Okay. I, I just want to be clear. Look, I, I, you know what, though? I, I, honestly, when we're doing this, I always feel like we're, we're nitpicking things here because the, the much larger picture for me, and I think for a lot of people outside of uh, the inner workings of, of the leadership of the party is, what, what, what is all this getting anybody? Well, actually, well, you need to ask Miss Eisner because nobody starts this stuff but her. But now you try to defend this white woman. But <laughs> when did I defend her? Other hand, blame me for the chaos. Now, now the the drama didn't start till the woman got in the, in that position. But y'all changed the bylaws, and that's what a lot of this well, is about. Well, the affirmative action committee changed the bylaws. Mm. And they gave a rationale why they changed the bylaw. It, it seems as though that the change in the bylaws that's going to aid uh, you know, certain folks on the committee uh, are, is now the hottest topic that we have here. And it's going to be something that is addressed by the Rules and Bylaws Committee of the DNC. So that seems like a pretty fair thing for somebody to bring up and talk about. Where the specific group you talked about don't need any aid. There are 60, uh, if you're talking about African Americans, there are 61% of the committee. They don't need any aid. If they mm -hmm. want to add something or elect something collectively, they got the voting power to do that. Okay. So then what why do you think 61% don't already have an advantage? So then why make then, these drastic you, changes to the bylaws? Make the, make the connotations that we're racist, anything like that. Because I, most of our staff... I haven't white. made them. The yeah, DNC yeah, made them. The rules and bylaws be the DNC Insinuating foolishness. Insinuating foolishness. Now, Who? most of our staff is white, and most of our uh, employees is, is, is white. The but DNC members... Uh, most of them are white. So this is nothing dealing with race. This is the Affirmative Action Committee changed those bylaws. They posted those bylaws for comments on the website and got very few comments. Uh, and then but, there's, no, there's no standard bylaws in the Democratic National Committee. They got mm -hmm. some states that got as little as nine pages. Mm-hmm. Some don't Did, even require 
uh, uh, caucuses. They don't require caucuses at all. Mm-hmm. The, the, the rules and bylaws committee, if I'm not mistaken, in, in the notice they sent said, it seems as though certain minority groups are being treated differently within the ADP power structure. Do you agree or disagree with that? I don't agree with it. Hmm. Uh, you, you and, did, you, and, and we were we will have our day before the rules and the bylaws committee. Uh, and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. They did not seem to be and very they, happy with it. And not discriminate against anyone. Uh, did you listen to the meeting that they had? Yeah, I heard that specific meeting. And I don't necessarily agree with what was said in that specific meeting. And I'm really not uh, concerned about speculation. We will defend ourselves if we have to go before the bylaws committee. Well, I, and I don't doubt that at all. I, what I wonder, from an outsider's perspective, would more participation, more caucuses, more people involved in the process, more folks that are excited, like the youth folks, the uh, LGBTQ caucuses, the the uh, Hispanic caucuses, the Native American caucuses, all of those folks. What harm is there in having more participation and more voting and more, uh, well, more have, input brother, from those folks? Look at him, brother. It's not our fault that we don't have more participation than we have, that's because of racism. And as black folk made progress from protests in the Democratic Party, white folk went Republican. Donald Trump, who is coming here, got a record amount of votes in Alabama. And the man yes. has been charged with everything under the sun, and white folks still love him, and his ratings are still high in Alabama. When mm-hmm. President Obama was on the ticket for president, that's when white folk went to the Republican Party because they couldn't stand to vote for that black man. Mm-hmm. And I was told by a white official in the Democratic Party that some of the white folk voted Republican to keep from voting for that black man. Mm-hmm. Now, that's where your exclusion is. They mm-hmm. didn't want to vote for black folk. And the Democratic Party didn't just willingly say, black folk, y'all come on in here. We came into the Democratic Party and mm-hmm. made it what it was. Sure. In fact, the 381-day-long uh, bus boycott, Montgomery bus boycott in Montgomery, brought about a ruling based on a violation of the 14th Amendment to make it possible just for black folks to sit on the front of a bus. Right. The, the uh, Civil Rights Act came from the bombing of those little children and, and the murder of numerous black folks, not just them. Even there was several, there was a couple of black men even killed during that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that came about because of that struggle and because mm-hmm. of the uh, Voting Rights Act on that bridge where John Lewis got his skull crushed. Yes. And Viola Luzo and James Reed and Jimmy Lee Jackson, who was uh, protecting his mother and grandfather from being beaten, that brought about the Voting Rights Act. 
So as soon as we got these victories, white folk went to the Republican Party and school integration was one of the major things. And if you look at, um, there's a book called uh, White Rage. These Mm -hmm. folks are still fighting the Civil War, even the bills that they're passing out. But now white folks have been been deceived and conditioned to vote for what they think is white rather than what they know is right. They ought to know is right. That's why you have this division here. And then we've had division always since I've been in the Democratic Party. You had white voting on one side, blacks voting on the other side. But Mm -hmm. my objective is to get everybody in there that we can get in the party. In fact, the new bylaws mandate that 41 more young people will be added to the to the uh, party. It, it, it was just a suggestion so many uh, percentages was added before. But this is mandated. We want more LGBTQ in there. We want more physically challenged people, so-called handicapped people. We want more women, well, more everybody we can. But how are you accomplishing that? In the, the short time I've been in the office, but then there's another problem. Some of them just have a problem with a black man that they didn't handpick, that's not a token, that hadn't been co-opted, being chairman of the party. That's what the problem is for some of them. Maybe. I don't know. I can't speak for, for all those people, but I don't understand how y'all are getting to the goal of including more people by excluding these caucuses that you've excluded with the changes in the bylaws. And I think that is also the issue that the DNC's Rules and Bylaws Committee has, is struggling with as well. Well, thank you for your opinion, sir. So, Reverend Dr. Kelly, let me let me ask you this uh, before we run out of time with you and appreciate you spending the time with us, having these, uh, you know, challenging conversations. Uh, Right now. We're in a situation in this state where, as you know, the 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 right to vote and you, you invoked the Voting Rights Act in your earlier comments and you talked about some of the martyrs uh, who um, whose deaths really set the stage for the Voting Rights Act to be passed, Viola Lee Uzo, Jimmy Lee Jackson, uh, and others. Um, we're, at a, we're at a point right now in Alabama history where the right to vote is once again becoming increasingly more tenuous. Uh, in particular, I think, for black people, and and it seems to me that our focus as a party, and I say this as somebody who's an active Democrat, our focus as a party really ought to be on trying to figure out how do we support Terry Sewell and Joe Biden and whoever else we can support in defending ourselves against this onslaught against the right to vote. But instead, it appears as though to me, I'm just going to speak for myself, it appears as though to me, a lot of the internal energy of the party is still being sucked up by 
whoever's fault it is, whoever you want to blame, you know, some people are going to blame Tabitha. Some people are going to blame you. Some people are going to blame Dr. Reed. But no matter who you blame, the energy and the efforts and the focus is being sucked up by this dispute. How can we move past this and get to the issue, probably the most prevailing important issue that we're facing right now as a Democratic Party and as a state and as a people in Alabama? Well, one thing I'm doing, brother, I'm building Mm -hmm. coalitions. Okay. And I'm building coalitions that's got interests in common because we've got a number of people who advocate the right to vote, fair district being drawn, but they're doing their own thing. But, and I like to say sometimes everybody operating, but very few people are cooperating. Brother, we pulled together 47 organizations last year for the largest Juneteenth in the state. And this year you were here, we pulled together 46 organizations. Well, we can pull organizations together based on our commonality rather than our differences. In fact, even after that, I spoke up at Alabama and They had folks from all up across the state. And I was the keynote speaker where you had people from Southern Poverty Law Center in Montgomery and Tops. A lot of that going to have to be doing with dealing with strategizing and organizing. And I think that as more people who are disproportionately affected by the policies of the Republican Party that just don't know the difference between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. So we got to highlight the issues of what the Democratic Party has done. I spoke at one college in Montgomery, Huntington College, where I asked the people, name one thing that the Republican Party has done for you. Most of them couldn't tell anything that the Republican Party had done for black and poor people. But when you started talking about how the Democratic Party has always fought for a minimum wage, a livable wage, how they fought for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, health care, we got to get the issues out there. We got to tell the story. We've done a poor job in telling our story. The GI Bill, the federal home loan, All of these things came as a result of the Democratic Party. But again, uh, you got a a layers and layers of racism in this specific state that you're going to have to deal with. And maybe it might be a starting juncture somewhere is having some racial sensitivity classes because some of these folks think they are straight and they're past racism, but they're just as racist as all get outdoors until we can come get past this mental disorder, we may not make too much progress. I can tell you that right now. Well, I, you know, I can say I I don't disagree with anything that you just said. I know that there are people who think they're racist who, I mean, I'm sorry, who don't think they're racist who are. And, and I also believe that you, when you make your personal appearances, in various locations, that you're a great ambassador for the Democratic Party, in terms of its uh, its values and its 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 history, its legacy, and and where we need to go to move forward. But I also think, Reverend Dr. Kelly, that uh, we need more than just 
a chairperson or a vice chair or a minority caucus chair uh, or vice chair, rather, uh, who can be great ambassadors in their various personal appearances. It's going to take a campaign. It's going to take a strategy. You use that word. You use the word strategy. Um, I don't see currently now maybe you're working on something and if you are i, I wish you'd share it with us yeah. so that we can plug into it but i don't see i have a strategy but i'm not going to share it with you at this time and okay. Fact, yeah okay okay yeah. so you got a strategy then, i'm then, glad to hear that i i'm, I'm a soldier that. man i mm -hmm. learned that you don't give your weapon to your enemy and we have a plan and we we will work this plan Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm yeah, glad uh, to hear that. Uh, I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Um, so, so you're saying on the record, you, to, you not specifically, you might not be the enemy, but I know the enemies out there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Now you go to the Republican Party and get them on your program and ask them for their plan. I guarantee you, they're not going to give you their plan. Well, you're probably right about that, but you know, I don't, I don't think we need them. I think they already make the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. stuff they're doing is so brazen. Yeah. yeah, they don't it's have so to tell you. You shouldn't have to tell you. And, right, and that, exactly. That's exactly. ought to be the the exactly. kind of uh, intelligence that the masses of people ought to have if they see their plan and know that plan is not beneficial for them. Why in the ham sandwich do they still voting for them anyway? Right. No, I, you look. You got no argument for me on that. Well, let me just say then, uh, let me say, I'm glad to hear that you got a plan and a strategy because God knows we need one. And um, and I know that I, I think I can speak for Josh on this. Uh, we certainly plan on this podcast to do everything we can to try to fight against uh, the attacks on the Voting Rights Act and the attempts to roll back. Uh, voting rights, uh, the attempts to suppress the vote, and all of these other things that we see happening uh, during this current time, and uh, and I'm glad to know that you, as a as a party chair, uh, have a plan and a strategy, and you know because we need one, we yeah. need one. And then too, I don't know how you consider your media, but the black press has been such a black media, really, and mm -hmm. black press, whether back to the Chicago Defender, the Baltimore Afro. Sure. You know, if you know anything about the history of it, if you don't know, there's a oh, I do. documentary called uh, Soldiers Without Weapons. Yeah. Soldiers Without Swords. And it talks about how they were outlawed. They were always on the forefront of social justice. In Birmingham, uh, Shelley Stewart yep. and Paul Powell they uh, helped catapult the civil rights movement in Birmingham through their social consciousness on the radio. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oftentimes, we have um, just folks that's confused talking about garbage on the radio, but staying focused on the issues. I'm a former talk show host myself. In fact, I'm thinking very seriously about starting another talk show for the, for the Democratic Party. And my program, aired in Gaston, Birmingham, and Anniston, mm -hmm. in three different cities, uh, at at three different junctures. Every every, 
I passed in all three of those cities. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I was given talk shows in all three of them. And so you can wake up a lot of people through the air if you're talking about some issues rather than some foolishness, getting bogged down on some foolishness. Well, we agree. We agree on that. We agree on that. And and I'm glad you talked about the black press. You're right. The black press has played a tremendous role in, uh, with voting, uh, fighting against lynchings. Um, I grew up in Chicago and had the privilege of reading uh, Mr. Vernon Jarrett for years as a child in the Chicago Sun-Times. So you not only had people that were working for the black press, but you also had people that were working in the mainstream press who were fighting the fight too, like Vernon Jarrett. Uh, but anyway, uh, and that goes back Kel to coalitions. You've got to build coalitions. Yeah. You can't do it as an individual entity. We've right. got to be a like-minded coalition that's very much concerned about justice and fairness and making a more just and a loving society. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, that, it's a, a, a thousand percent true. And, and, I, and, you know, let me just say, you know, so first of all, I, I appreciate you coming on and answering yeah. questions. And I know that they were, they were tough questions and they were not easy and, uh, and all that. And, and, and I, I get it. And I, I know that you have uh, your perspective on things. Tabitha Eisner has her perspective on things. The rest of the Democrats have their perspective on things. And then they're, you know, the Republicans that we've, you know, over here that have whatever distorted perception they have, but you know, it's, uh, the the I think what where we all are here is is that we desperately need this party to be successful for the betterment of a whole bunch of people in this state, yep. Yep. Um, and and that's all that we're rooting for. And I think that's where a lot of um, I don't say anger, but a lot of the passion that people have comes through is that they just want this to be a viable party and to see the Democratic Party wake up and challenge uh, the Republicans and stop some of this nonsense that goes on in our state every single day that is killing people, literally killing yep. people. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it has not been a viable party lately because mm -hmm. of the progress, because of the backlash based on the progress. But as soon as we get back on track, I think we sure enough going to do some good, not just for this generation, but the ensuing generations to come. Now, well, this that's what we, that's what we the Democratic see. Party, I don't have to tell you, that's the party of the slave holders. They want to expand slave and slavery perpetually across the country. They authored slave code, black code, Jim Crow law, all kind of segregation and degradation. Yep. And when black folks got in it and started fighting it, black folks transformed this party and made it better, not just for black people, but for white people, physically challenged people, LGBTQ people. And everybody else make the nation better, really. Because yeah. really, on an international level, Dr. C.T. Vivian brought it to my attention that the civil rights, civil rights movement was the civil rights movement also. Mm -hmm. Because it made it possible for Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia to attract businesses on an international level, because the way blacks were being treated in Alabama, they wouldn't, they wouldn't invest because it was they they had to face the peer nations at the table of the United Nations. 
Right. Mm -hmm. But whenever they busted up those buses, the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, that made it possible for George Wallace to get in a wheelchair and go over and get Toyota. And now mm -hmm. we got Toyota and Honda and Tyson property, names we can't names that we can't even hardly pronounce. Mm -hmm. Because it was a civil rights, and who benefited mostly from it was white male Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Yeah, well, listen, uh, we we thank you for for spending uh, an extended period of time with us, yeah. and and for coming on and and answering the hard questions, and um, you know, and and we hope uh, and that the that the party is going to turn around, like you yep. said, and that it's going to make the difference, and uh, you know, we're certainly supportive of that. So yep. uh, you know, we're, we'll be here doing what we can. But uh, Dr. Kelly, uh, thank you so much for spending the time with us. Anytime. Yes, All right, sir. sir. Thank you. All right, thank you. That is uh, Dr. Randy Kelly. We're going to slide out here uh, and uh, then come back, wrap this thing up in just a second. Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, your support makes a difference and it means a lot. All righty. Welcome back in. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. I'm a little tired now. I got to be. <laughs> That was a long segment. A long segment. A long, a long segment. segment. A lot of arguing. Uh, and, there was uh, there was a considerable amount of back and forth. Yeah, there was. <laughs> There's just some things I couldn't let go. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, well, like I said to him, and I'll say to everybody, I've, I, I, you know, I've got to support the Democratic Party because there's got to be a viable option to this mm -hmm. other party over here. Mm -hmm. There's got to be. There and, has to be. And I also think it's important that um, you know, on this podcast, you know, even if we don't agree with something that a person is saying, we want to give them a fair opportunity to have their say. Sure. I think that's very important. And so absolutely. the give and take. Absolutely. It is. You know, and, I and think to be is, cordial, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're always going to be cordial, respectful. We're not going to, you know, we don't do the name calling and the, no. you know, that that other sort of sophomore kind of juvenile stuff that happens in other places. We don't do that. Nope. Even if we disagree with you vehemently, we don't do that. So. Nope, we do not and uh, and will not. And, you know, yeah, listen, I get wound up from time to time on little tirades and on things. And I, it's, you know, that's to be expected. I'm, you know, half crazy. Uh, so but, you know, it's um, <laughs> but I, I'm not going to do it to, you know, to, to, to anybody. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to embarrass somebody. I'm not going to try to, you know, shout them down. These are grown people, grown professional adults, and they should be treated with respect. And so that's, right. that's how I'm going to do it. And uh, that's just how we are. Uh, if you don't like that, then you, I can't help you. Um, yeah. There there are other options. Um, well, I, I, you know, I my mantra is we can disagree without being disagreeable. Mm -hmm. That's true. So. Yeah. That is absolutely true. All right. Listen, this is going to be a short one because we've gone way too long. So we're yeah. just going to do a right wing nut and we're going to get ourselves out of here. And um, our, our right wing nut for the week um, is, is are all these uh, Republicans in this state who 
are now on this bandwagon to create new laws that punish Carly Russell and anybody who would fake an abduction because we've had exactly one of those in our <laughs> yeah. in our history as a state. <laughs> so we must need new laws. Uh, but, you know, when we have our uh, attorney general at the press conference promising to throw the book at her and do everything he can to, you know, to hold Carly Russell accountable. And, um, and in the next breath, all of these same people, all of these same people will excuse away the millions of lies told by one Donald Trump, the front mm-hmm. runner for the Republican nomination for president of the country right now. The man who has been indicted for more than 70 felonies, I believe. Uh, the man who's going to be uh, indicted at least three or four more times for all of the things he did, who sparked an erection, uh, uh, erection, <laughs> insurrection. <laughs> See, I got way too tired. Yeah, way too tired dealing with Randy Kelly. Yeah, I don't want to know anything about him sparking Sparked one of those. Sparked an insurrection. <laughs> insurrection. I mean, and honest to God, if yeah. you read that indictment that came down this last week uh, from Jack yeah. Smith, we come dangerously close to an outright coup. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That and and I hope you know it's only forty five pages long and and you know you can you know you can read it over you know a fairly short period of time or you can skim it and you know hit the highlights but I think for me the and I know we 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 we're gonna run out of time here shortly but I think one of the more interesting things is just the parade of of Republicans who indict what he was doing mm-hmm. you know and that's that's embedded in there yes. in that um in that 45 page indictment and and the meticulous you know the meticulous approach that they took to trying to to really just pull the rug from out under our democracy josh it's frightening it's absolutely frightening you know, it's it's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that um, you would almost expect out of a Russia, a China, mm-hmm. you know, but it happened here. Yeah. It almost happened here. Yes. And, and, and the attempt did happen here. Yes. I mean, it's just it's frightening, man. It is. It is. And you're right about uh, the number of Republicans. I mean, listen, this this indictment was essentially built on the back of Republican testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, officials that worked directly with Trump, that, that the folks who he said these things to, who were trying to get him to do these different things. Uh, you know, Mike Pence, for example, who mm-hmm. talk about who talked about you know, what what Trump asked him to do yep. and uh, wanted him to do, and and it just is it's astounding, astounding to watch these people bend over backwards while they're waving flags and proclaiming patriotism and wanting to save America, you know, um, and, and bend over backwards to protect and promote for president a traitor to the country. And that's what yep. he is. He is that's a traitor to the country. When you, when you go to the links that he went to to hold power, to stop the, uh, the peaceful transition of power, um, it, it is... It's it's unbelievable what they're doing now. And, you know, and it just is. I, there was a clip the other day that I saw from the from the debates in 2016 
when um, I believe Chris Wallace was the debate host, and he asked both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump whether or not they would concede, at, you know, with the other person lost, with one of the other lost. And of course, Donald Trump said, hey, "Well, you have to come back to me. I'll know. I'll know. I'll know more than I know, or whatever." Um, and Hillary Clinton went on a, a couple minute long little tirade and said, "This is what he does. This is what he does. This is this is what you know when when he." Uh, you know, when when the law, when the courts came after him for his defunct university, it, it was rigged against him. Uh, you know, the police were rigged against him. The FBI is rigged against him. The uh, the elections were rigged against him. The uh, the Emmys were rigged against him. Um, you know, it, it just that's his mo. He can't. He's a child, and these people are following this child, and it just is staggering to watch the number of cowards, cowards, absolute cowards, who know better but follow along for their own personal benefit. And that's all they're doing right now. And even though Pence has finally found a backbone or... Or or rediscovered where his uh, his his balls were mm. uh, had been hiding. The reality is he was one of those people. He mm-hmm. was sycophantic yeah. in terms of how he talked about Trump, and um, when when he was vice president, how he would talk about Trump, pander to Trump, cater to Trump. It was sickening. It was mm-hmm. sickening and disturbing, quite frankly, to see one grown man deal that way with another grown man. And the same with Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz mm-hmm. is the same way, even after God, even after, his uh, wife. Trump, yeah, talked about his wife and his father and my God, I mean, these these guys had no he and Pence to me were just weak men. They're just yep. weak. Don't yep. have any respect for them. Even though I must say, when it came down to it, crunch time. Thank God, some kind of way, Mike Pence found some backbone. Thank God yeah. Almighty. Yeah. But it's just, it's frightening though, man, to see that, that these are the people, as far as I'm concerned, not only does Trump need to be nowhere near the White House, neither does Mike Pence. No. Neither does Ted Cruz. Anybody who doesn't have, a, doesn't have the backbone to stand up and call it what it is and to make a stand for right, they don't need, I don't, you know, they don't yeah. need to be near the White House. I'm with you. I'm with you a thousand percent. Luckily, you know, for for all of those people that you mentioned, except for Trump, uh, none of them have much of a shot of getting anywhere near the yeah. White House. So, um, yeah. but it, it's uh, it is it, it's just astonishing to watch these people continue to do this over and over and over again. But all right, listen, let's uh, let's get out of here. We're you know first one back, and we gave you an extended show, and God, we <laughs> give and give and give. All right. Uh, yeah, with, let's, plenty of, with plenty of fireworks, spice. I know, right? How about spice. that? Yeah. 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 All right. Till next week. Y'all be safe out there. All right. Peace.